Tonight's Old Testament scripture reading is from Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 through 38, uh, and that is on page 4 and 5 of your bulletin. Genesis 27, 1 through 38. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered him, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare them from them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious foods such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took some of the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. Then he said, Bring it near me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food, and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, 
I am your firstborn, your, your son Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate of it before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this past week, I enjoyed a study leave, and this next week, I will be uh, doing some preparation for our fall sermon series and our Day of Vision and Prayer, and so uh, was calling upon uh, some fellow preachers to preach for me. Uh, Next week, Casey Bedell, who's a member of our congregation, will be preaching. This week, uh, our brother Russ Whitfield is here. Now, many of you know Russ. Uh, Some of you do not. Russ was on staff with us for, uh, I think, three and a half years, was it, before we sent him out to plant our third congregation. Mike said at the beginning of the service that Grace Downtown is one of three congregations in the Grace DC network. And Russ has started this work, Grace Mosaic, in Upper Northeast. And uh, if you've ever worshipped there, you know it's a fine, fine work of God. Uh, Joy, uh, dynamism, serving that community. And uh, Russ has been doing a great job with his bride, Vanessa. So we're so glad to have you here, man. It's always great to have you back. Come on and uh, bring us the word. Good evening. I'm really glad to be with y'all here this evening. Let's pray together before we dig in. Father, we pray that you would bless the hearing of the word and the preaching of the word to bear fruit in our lives, to work in our relationships, to set us in the right directions that we need to go to help us to fulfill our callings, to be your people in this city, in faithfulness, in love, in grace. So God, we pray that you let this time be an encouragement to our hearts. And that you would meet us no matter where we're at right now on the spiritual spectrum and no matter what kind of trials we're working through right now in our lives, no matter what kind of heaviness we may be sitting with, we pray that this word would lift us. Bless us now, we ask. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. There comes a time in relationships, we all know, when a couple is dating and things get serious. Things get serious and They hit that critical moment where they decide that before they can go any further in the relationship, before they can begin to hatch plans for a future together, before they can really blend their lives together, they need something very critical. They need the Father's blessing. Now, 
Lest you think that's old-fashioned, there is a poll that's recently been taken that says that still 70% of men not only think it's important, but think it's necessary to get the blessing of the Father. And 60% of women think that that is important or even necessary. And I strongly encourage you fellas to, if you have a daughter, you better go ahead and make sure she gets that blessing, all right? I've already made that plain to my daughter. We're going to get that blessing maybe when you're 35, right? now. But isn't it interesting, right? Even in our, our different contexts where there are blended families, where there are people from different situations, there's still this sense of need for blessing before progress can really be made. You can look at it from an, another angle as well. I don't know, you, maybe you, where you grew up, before you sat down and you ate dinner, you had to say a blessing. I would get slapped with a quickness if I tried to reach my hand and to take some food before we said the blessing, right? It was recognized in my household and in every household I ate in back in Western Pennsylvania that we have to say the blessing on the food. Man, why, I mean, why do we have to, is it super, we just gonna say this blessing. Don't you touch that food, right? There is this sense of need for blessing. And why is it? Why is it that we have this sense of need or we acknowledge at some level this need or this desire for blessing? Why do people sense that there needs to be blessing before, before progress can be made? Our text for today is all about blessing. It's a long text, but that's the way you deal with stories. You take them as a whole. That's how they communicate. The whole story, you notice, is all about blessing. And the two questions, the two ideas I want to deal with today are why we need it and how we get it. Those are the two points we're going to handle this evening from our text. We're going to consider blessing, this theme of blessing, why we need it and how we get it. So let's look at our first point where we consider why we need it. Look at your neighbor and tell them you need blessing. All right, downtown, that's what I'm talking about. Don't be shy. Why we need it. Now, before we really, really, really dig in, just a quick note about understanding God's story. There are all different kinds of themes through which we can really appreciate or understand God's story. If you're new to the Bible here this evening and you're trying to figure out what the Christian faith is about and what the Bible is about, uh, one of the things that you can do is begin to understand the Bible through these themes that work through Scripture. For example, you got the theme of family, and there are always four chapters. The whole story begins with God establishing a family. The family falls apart because they decide they don't need God. And then through the rest of the story, you see how this family falls into dysfunction. And yet God comes after his dysfunctional family in order to restore them again. And one day the dysfunctional family will be restored. Four chapters. That's the story of scripture. Another theme through which you can understand scripture is the whole theme of the land. Eden, the land that God placed his people in. Right. That was their home. That was that was their place. And it was the home that they lost. 
They become wanderers, right? But even after they fall, even after they walk away from God, even after they get displaced from the garden, God comes to them again and says, I'm going to promise you a new land. I'm going to promise you a new home. And then that comes to fulfillment in Christ. And then now we look forward to the final chapter where we have a new heavens and a new earth, a new home. The, the whole story comes together in four chapters through that theme. But another theme through which we can understand Scripture is the whole theme of blessing. Blessing. This theme of blessing. And so that's what I want to dig into today. How we had it, how we lost it, and how we get it back. Now, you're reading chapter 27, right? You listen to the story, you hear the story, and something becomes painfully obvious as you read through this story. And it's the, the necessity of blessing that you see pulsing in every character. There is, there is something very significant and weighty about the blessing, so much so that a family tears apart surrounding this whole idea of blessing. The family fragments over it. Isaac sought to give it. Rebecca's willing to be cursed in order to see her son get it. Jacob deceitfully assumed a different identity in order to receive it. And Esau weeps and wails over having lost it. There's something that they see that we don't quite see, I think, when we consider this text. When we consider the broader narrative of this text. And you realize why as you settle into that story. Even these flawed characters were in touch with the fact that they were made to live under God's blessing. That's the straightforward answer to our first point, why we need it. We need blessing because we were made to flourish under God's blessing. It's a part of our creational design. We need God's blessing because we were created to need it. We were created in such a way that we were not meant to ever be able to flourish outside of his blessing. We were never meant to be able to really thrive outside of the blessing of God. Remember back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2, the very beginning of the story. Let's go back to the beginning, a very good place to start. God created every living creature, and then the Bible says, the text says, that he blessed them, right? God creates human beings, and then the text says, and he blessed them. God sets the Sabbath apart, a day of rest, and he blesses it. Do you see this rhythm? After God makes it, he says, now, in order for this thing to really thrive, in order for this thing to really do what it was always intended to do, I must bless it. I must bless it. And the emphasis was on the life-infusing power of God's word spoken over what he has created. The blessing you notice in this very beginning of the whole story of God, this blessing brought fruitfulness. It brought growth. It brought abundance. It brought fullness. It brought relational health and harmony. Everything, I'm about to wander away from this mic, see? Let me come on back, anchor in. All right. So I heard my voice fading. Everything in the created order flourished as a result of God's blessing. There is a cause effect that is happening in that text. There was peace and health. Everything 
was alive. Then God blessed the Sabbath, right? And under God's blessing, even our resting is blessed. Your rest is blessed. I didn't, I didn't make that rhyme on purpose. God did it, all right? That's a powerful thing when even with God's blessing, your rest is, is a flourishing thing. It causes flourishing. Man decides that they're going to go it alone. We rehearse Genesis 3 all the time because everything flows back to that Genesis 3 moment when things fall apart, right? It unravels. They want to call their own shots. It's catastrophic. We know it. Not only did they become guilty, not only did they become filled with shame, this is everything outside the blessing of God. Guilt, shame, they lose their homeland, they become dysfunctional, but now they live under curse instead of blessing. Everything goes haywire. Everything becomes what it was never meant to become. But we have to understand that though the blessing was lost at Genesis 3, our our need for blessing, our sense of need for the blessing has not gone away. The blessing is lost, and yet the paradox, the tension in which we live is that we still feel our deep need to be blessed. We need blessing. No matter what kind of tag you want to hang on it, it's blessing that you're really after. It's blessing that you really long for. That's what people in our city are really struggling for. That's what they're really working for. They're struggling for the blessing of God, in essence. It's part of the human heart wiring. We need to understand that in this cultural context, right, in the ancient Near East, people expressed this deep-seated need for divine blessing very clearly. They weren't under any delusions. And if you look back over ancient Near Eastern literature, and you consider all of the artifacts from the ancient Near Eastern culture, they spent a tremendous amount of time trying to ward off curses and beseeching the gods to bless them. They would go through all kinds of rigmarole in order to try and wring a blessing out of the divine. And in other cultures of the globe today, cultures that are still in touch with spiritual dynamics and haven't completely westernized and made everything about the material here and now. Cultures that are still in touch with the spiritual, if you travel there, you see that they sense this need for blessing. They sense the need to ward off curses. When I once traveled to the Middle East, I noticed that in the country where I was, we have partners there, there was this blue oval that They would hang up everywhere. And I asked my guide, Chris, and I said, Chris, what is that thing? And he said, it's a talisman. It's to ward off the evil eye. And I was like, the evil eye? That's like like the old church mother used to give me when I'd be cutting up in church. The evil eye, right? But the evil eye, culturally speaking, from a historical standpoint, that was a a curse. People believed that someone could curse your life. Someone could put that evil on you, right? They were in touch with that. So people in this culture did everything to fight off cursing and everything to get divine blessing. They actively pursued it from a specific deity and they took great measures to ward off these curses. They were vigilant in seeking blessing. And this is what made God's calling to Abraham in Genesis 12 so significant, that God would draw near to Abraham, not waiting for 
human beings to kind of strike a chord with me and say, ah, okay, I'll throw you a bone. This was completely topsy-turvy. God coming down. And then he blesses and makes promises to Abraham and all of his, his progeny, land, seed, and blessing. And then he says, I'm blessing you so that you will be a blessing. Say it like you mean it. I'm blessing you so that you will be a That's what the text says, right? And at the very foundations of it, you see that God is determined to overcome the curse. And we, we talk about that a lot, right? But how much do we settle into this whole idea of blessing? The family of Abraham knew that the Lord was the true source of blessing. They knew that. They believed that the Lord's blessing began in relational harmony with him and that this relational harmony with God would make them fertile and it would prosper them and protect them and deliver them and heal them and preserve them and empower them and direct them. Does anyone need anything like that this evening? That's what they sensed they needed, but it all began with this relational connectedness with God. That was their view of the world. That's the way they understood the whole thing. These people were desperate for God's blessing. Do you see that in the characters of this story? They're desperate for blessing. They know they can't survive without the blessing of God. They're not being melodramatic. They felt it keenly. They were not duped. Their vision was not clouded by so many modern technologies to woo them into the false notions that they can really hold their lives together on their own. That they could figure it out by doing a quick search on the interwebs, right? It's like WebMD, right? No, you need a doctor. Don't go searching on WebMD trying to diagnose yourself. Trust me, any doctors out there will amen that, right? It's that kind of do-it-yourself culture. DIY. Now that might work if you want to put up some new kitchen cabinets. That might work if you want to do some new landscaping in your yard. But in spiritual matters, do-it-yourself is always a catastrophe. It's always a catastrophe. These people knew they needed the blessing of God. And it began with relational connectedness to God. And Genesis tells us this, that God's original plan was that God's kingdom would advance in God's world through God's blessing on God's people. Let's say that again. This is the the whole outlook of the scriptures. God's original plan was that God's kingdom would advance in God's world through God's blessing on God's people. That was the original plan. And this exposes us. It exposes us, doesn't it? When you see someone who really feels it, It should prompt questions of why I don't. When you see someone who's really into it, it's at least got to prompt questions as to why I'm I'm not. What's really going on here? It exposes us. It exposes that we don't sense or acknowledge our deep need for God's blessing on every area of our lives. We do, but we don't. We're always in that tension, right? We acknowledge, we got to say grace, right? Give the blessing on the food. But when it comes to the deeper things, we don't really sense it. 
in a very profound way. Our prayers, or lack thereof, don't reveal a sense of need for God's blessing on every area of our lives. Our credentials often blind us to our need for God's blessing on every area of our lives. We're often found to be intoxicated with our talents, blinded by our intellectual abilities. We're so full of pride. Here's the kicker. We're so full of pride that we think that we can flourish in the context of the curse without God's blessing. We're so full of pride that we think that we can flourish in the context of the curse without God's blessing. But it's like taking a a beautiful flower and throwing it out on the pavement and expecting it to really flourish. In that context, without someone replanting, without someone doing something, that plant will wither and die. And it's the same idea for our lives as well. You will wither without his blessing. You will. We will wither without his blessing. I know that we think we can kick the life-stealing addictions introduced by the curse by our own power, but we cannot. We think we can handle the heart wounds introduced by the curse by self-help methods, but we can't. The sense of need that we witness in the characters of this text shows us just how proud and self-reliant we are. That's meant to sting us. It's meant to wake us up. But here's the deal. In this text, the Lord is using broken people, this dysfunctional family, which, by the way, encouragement, the whole story of the Bible is how God does his work through the dysfunctional family. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right. He does his thing through this dysfunctional family, and he's meant... He's intending to rise up within us a sense of urgency that should be expressed in many ways in our lives. This sense of urgency. I need God's blessing. I need to perceive the blessing in my possession. So let these characters spark that curiosity in your heart. At the very least, when you walk away from here today, asking questions of your own heart. Let these characters kind of be like, you know, if you're hanging out with a group of friends and everyone starts running, you're going to start running, right? If if some, if half of y'all got them started running out the door, I would run. (laughs) I'm not joking. I would run. Let these characters who are longing and reaching and grasping for blessing at least get you to be thinking about blessing and your relationship to the blessing of God. Where do you stand? The text is reminding us that our lives can flourish only in the context of God's blessing. We need his blessing on our marriages. We need his blessing on our parenting and our children. We need his blessing on our relationships. We need his blessing on our callings, our work life, our neighboring, our service, our visioneering. Our communal connection. We need his blessing on it all. We need his protection. His deliverance. His healing. His preservation. His empowerment. And his favor. Because without him, the curse hangs upon everything. Everything that you can see. The curse hangs heavy on it all. 
And without his intervention, it all unravels. It all unravels. Many churches are dying because they are trying to advance God's kingdom with little sense of need for God's blessing. Many relationships are fractured and withering because there is a very little sense of need for God's blessing in that relationship. Many plans are failing because there is very little need and acknowledgement expressed through prayer. Relative to God's blessing, we, we, we DIY. We DIY. And if any one of these characters could speak to us from this text this evening, they would tell us that we're absolutely delusional. If we think that we can flourish in life, truly flourish in life, truly thrive in life, in all aspects of our life outside of the blessing of God. We need God's blessing on every area of life, every square inch of our humanity, because we were created to thrive only in the context of loving, trusting, obedient, covenant connection to God. That's the first point. We need God's blessing. We need it. But then the question becomes, how do you get it? How do you get God's blessing? How do we get it? That's the second point. As we read through this narrative, we see in Esau and Jacob this interesting dynamic about how they approach the blessing, how they approach getting the blessing. It's interesting that the text is setting up these two different ways that we tend to think about getting this blessing, what the Bible calls blessing, what the world may call prosperity or success holistically. Esau is operating according to a sort of formula. I'm going to apply my skill. I'm going to go out. I'm going to work hard. And I'm going to prepare something that the father likes and bring it back to him and then he'll bless me. Okay? That's what Esau does. It's an interesting approach, right? Now, I know his father told him to do it. But we're talking about how the narrator of Genesis is setting us up to really see something different when we come to the gospel. All right? So just hang in. I was reading an article in the Business Insider. I, I know I am very dialed in like that. I know you're surprised reading the, bid, the Business Insider. That was your first tip off that I, you know, I'm not a business person, right? But this was a good article in the Business Insider, all right? Former New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg said flat out that his crusades to enact restrictive gun laws to place bans on smoking, and to enact policies fighting obesity would serve him well in the afterlife. And I quote, you ready? I quote, I'm telling you, if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I have earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. You cannot make this stuff up. If I was the reporter, I would have done the electric slide right there. Now, look. It kind of leaves you speechless at some level. But at another level, here's where the joke becomes sad for you and me. 
Because even if we think this is ludicrous, this is crazy thinking, even if ideologically we think this is preposterous, we know that functionally we live that out a lot. We live that out a lot. It describes the outlook of many people in the world today, too. It does. Many people you work with think this. What is at the root of so much of our busyness? It's the same idea. I'm trying to go and do something to bring the Father something that he likes so that he will bless me. What's at the root of many of our ambitions and career goals? We're trying to bring the Father something that he likes so that he will bless us. What is at the root of our drivenness and aspiration for credentials? We're trying to bring the Father something that he likes so that he will bless us. That's the Esau approach. But then you have the Jacob approach. It's, a, it's an interesting approach itself. It's different. Jacob pretends and performs in order to get the Father's blessing. All right? Check it out. He assumes a false identity. He lives a lie. He dresses up for the Father because he knows that if he reveals his true identity, he can never be blessed. If he comes as he is, he knows he cannot be blessed. So he pretends. He dresses up. He fixes himself up. He's a smooth man, so he gets hairy, all right? He gets, he gets all dressed up, and he becomes something that he is not. He becomes something that he's not. And here is what you need to see going on in his life, right? For his entire life, Jacob longed to hear the words of love and affirmation that were spoken over the firstborn son. The, in the ancient Near Eastern culture, the firstborn son was the pride and joy of his father. He was absolutely doted upon. He was the inheritor of all of his father's riches. He was the, the pride and joy, the delight of his father. And, and that's what we, what we see earlier on in the story that, that Esau was so beloved of his father, Jacob wanted that love and that blessing from his father. He longed for it. He needed his father to bless him. For years and years, he longed to hear those words of love spoken over him. Truly. But he, he has to dress up and pretend and perform in order to get this blessing. Can you imagine what was going on in his heart as he's, he's in his costume to hear the father's words over him to say, this is what I wanted you to say all of my life. This is the love that I've been longing for all of my life. Man, if you would have only said this, why do I have to dress up to get this love from you and this affirmation from you? This is, this is a pretty stunning moment when Isaac pulls Jacob close to kiss him. And he smells the smell of his garments, funky like the fields, all right? He declares the blessing. See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you. And then he rattles off blessing after blessing after blessing. And in this moment, Jacob is receiving that affirmation for the first time. The delight of the father for the first time. The affection of his father for the first time. Father Isaac was declaring over Jacob the blessing and love that he had for his favorite son. 
This is the only way Jacob would ever hear these words of love and blessing spoken over him. The trouble was that Jacob, Jacob couldn't be truly known and truly blessed. He knew it. It was one or the other. If he was going to get the blessing, he had to dress up. He had to pretend and perform. But if he was going to come as he was, he wasn't getting that blessing. That's the paradox. And if we're honest, y'all, we know like Jacob that we do not deserve the blessing. We know that we don't deserve the blessing of God. We forfeited that blessing of God because of our rebellion. And yet we still feel the ache for his blessing, the longing, the need for his blessing. And this is why we pretend and perform. This is why we try to become what we are not in order to get blessing and affirmation. And in as much as we do this on a horizontal level, it's just symptomatic of our pretending and performing vertically for God. People pleasing, that's a vertical breakdown. The need for affirmation, that's a Do you see what's happening in this text? Something within us says that we we cannot be truly known and truly blessed. You can't be known and blessed. Do you know who you are? This is why we try to hide the dirt. This is why we desperately want the blessing, but we live in fear and apprehension and anxiety so often in our lives. We know that nothing about us warrants the blessing, but everything within us is screaming for the blessing. And it's at this point that we need to see how the story finds its fulfillment in Jesus. You don't get on airplanes so that you can hang out on the tarmac. You get on airplanes because you're trying to go somewhere. And you don't get into any passage of Scripture without trying to get to the good news of God's grace for us in Jesus Christ. There's something beautiful in this text, something amazing and captivating in this text about the blessing of God over his people. Now check it. Father Isaac may have been easily deceived, but Father God is not deceived. He sees us for who we are. He's not fooled by us. He's not impressed by what we bring him. He sees through our pretending and performing. He knows who we are, what we're like, and what we've done. And yet, even knowing our schemes, even knowing our pretending and performing, he has figured out a plan, a way that he could pour out his blessing on us. Jacob knew that if Isaac could see who he really was, He would not bless him. But the wonder of the gospel is that God does see us for who we really are. And yet he is still able to bless us, able and willing to bless us. He graciously speaks the word of blessing over us. He knows we don't deserve his blessing. But because of his love and mercy, he delighted to pour out his blessing on undeserving sons. The the story of the undeserving son getting the blessing is supposed to rock us. We are the undeserving ones who have received the blessing all because the favorite son of the father received the curse upon him. And the father was not fooled. 
Isaiah tells us that it pleased him to crush the one he loved just so he could bless us. How could God bless us in this way? Galatians 3 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. In the gospel, God the Father poured out on his firstborn son, his only begotten son, the curse that we deserve so he could pour out his blessing and love on us. That's gospel. In this story, the blessing of the favored son is given to the undeserving son by accident. But in the gospel story, the blessing of the favored son is given to the undeserving sons all by grace. Not by accident. It's purpose in God's plan. From before the foundations of the earth, he planned to pour out that blessing on you. Before he shaped the heavens and the earth. Before he put the stars in their place. Before he called out the sun and the moon. He had his heart and his affection and his determination to bless you. That is astounding. That is good news. In this story, Jacob has to become like the firstborn son in order to get the blessing of the father. But in the gospel, the firstborn son becomes like us in order to give us the blessing. He takes on human flesh. No need to pretend and perform. No need to try and post up your raggedy little righteousness for God the Father. He does it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. That's the good news of God's story. In the gospel, you can be truly known and truly blessed. It's only in this story that that can happen. Paul tells us that Jesus was the firstborn of all creation, the inheritor of all God's riches. And the beauty and mystery of the gospel is that he delights to share it all with us, the undeserving children. You don't need to pretend and perform. You don't need to bring the father something that he likes in order to be blessed by him. The favorite son already did that for you. You don't bring the father something that he likes in order to get in. You don't bring the father something that he likes in order to stay in. You bring the father something that he likes because you're in through grace alone, by faith alone. We bring him our love. We bring him our service. We bring him kindness to the poor. We bring him self-sacrifice because he did it all first. We love because he first loved us. Don't flip that around. Isn't it amazing that God the Father delights over us with the same joy and affection that he has for his son, Jesus? Think about that. If ever you should doubt his love, he thinks on you and sees you through the lens of his favored son, The son he's been loving from all eternity past and the son he will never lose an iota of love for into eternity future. That's the love that he has for his people. And it's from that love that his blessing 
is being poured out. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in him with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly. Paul is reaching after gospel realities, and he's just saying, bless, 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 God, bless, 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 you, bless, bless, bless. He's trying to get it through. Barack, you are blessed. Yes, his name is blessed Obama. That's the Hebrew word, all right? You are blessed. Your name is blessed. Your future is blessed. Your present is blessed. Just like Moses said to the Israelites, you, family, you, Grace Downtown, are blessed in the city. You're blessed in the field. You're blessed when you come in. You're blessed when you go out. You are overflowing. Your cup overflows. Goodness and mercy is following you all the days of your life. Do not doubt it. Do not doubt it. When you're blessed to this degree, you always have enough blessing to share, to give. When you have been made gospel rich, you have enough to give. When you have been made secure in the gospel, you're able to take risks. When you have been brought near in the gospel, when all of these blessings come together into your bank account, well, then you're able to reconcile with people. You're able to bring those who are far off near. That's your story. And you delight to work out of that story into the neighborhood, on the block. It brings me joy, really, to look out and see what God is doing among you. He's at work, y'all. You may not be able to see it but he's at work in these very ways. Selfish churches don't thrive long-term in the city. And 10 years of celebrating, right? That's a testament to the, the, the grace of God in the life of this church. The blessing of God resting heavily upon this congregation. And because it rests so heavily upon you, you have been rich in sharing it and giving it away. I commend you to continue on that path. David said, I was young, and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. You are blessed. Live out of that blessing to be a blessing to this place. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for every spiritual blessing that we have in Christ Jesus. We pray that you would help us to perceive our wealth in Jesus Christ. God, we pray that you would help us if we're still processing through all of this gospel speak, all this Christian talk. If we're still processing through all this today, would you help us to begin asking the questions about what our hearts are really longing for and where they can satisfy their thirst? And help us to take seriously the claims of the Christian faith and the claims of Jesus Christ and to wrestle with these things and grapple with them in the context of loving community that can be found here in this local church. God, we pray that you would help us. Help us to see what our eyes are unable to see alone. Open them up. Unstop our deaf ears. And help us to rejoice from the heart in the blessing that we have received by grace. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.